is the way to wonder. Welcome to the Money Better Podcast, brought to you by Union Bank and Trust in Lincoln, Nebraska. Get ready for an authentic conversation about how to do money better by making financial decisions that are right for you. Money doesn't have to be a scary topic anymore. Instead, let's get real about the lessons others have learned, then find ways to use those experiences to get it right. I'm your host, Caitlin Moore. Let's chat. Welcome everyone to season two, episode one of Money Better. Last season was super fun and interesting with all of our guests. We really had a good time talking to everyone and learning um, just about really what Lincoln has to offer when it comes to finances and money and support. And today is no different. And today's topic is things we learned during the pandemic. We're going big um, for our opening episode. And today's guest is Bill Radke. He is the executive director at Good Life Community Development, housed here in Lincoln, Nebraska. This was started with Shane Pearson in March of 2020, right before the pandemic. The mission is to provide proactive support and coaching for individuals on the edge of poverty to experience long-lasting life stability. So thank you, Bill, for being with us today on Money Better. Thank you, Caitlin. It's great to be here. Yeah. So Bill and I actually have known each other for several years. Um, When I was working in social services, he and his wife, Nicole, did foster care, and that's how we met. And so it's really nice to come full circle in totally different career fields and paths, Um, but it's nice that we're both still in the helping field in each of our areas of um, what we do. So so Bill, I want to ask, what is your story? What is the story behind Good Life Community Development? Yeah. Good Life Community Development was really birthed out of frustration. I feel like every good nonprofit is kind of in that category Mm -hmm. because the number one question you're asked at the top of every grant application is what problem are you solving? And so for us, you know, for our mission is really to provide proactive support as opposed to reactive. You know, a lot of, a lot of what I do, I'm on the reactive side as a financial coach. Almost every single agency out there is right. You know, it's Mm -hmm. their hands are tied until a crisis happens. Mm -hmm. And for, for me, like what happened was, and this was years ago, probably four years ago, I had a friend who, um, well, he's more of an acquaintance. So I had this acquaintance who he was living at home with his dad, working at Walmart, 19 years old. Um, He had some setbacks, some learning disabilities, and he had a great job at Walmart. Uh, They were being really good and supportive. Mm -hmm. And then his dad kicked him out and he just started walking to the mission because he had no car, no, no one to really call that he felt like. And as he's walking to the mission, uh, one of my friends saw him, she stopped and she's like, what are you doing? I'm going to the mission, told her a story. Mm -hmm. So then she, her, her name was Cindy. She calls me and she's like, Hey, I have, we need to do something. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, bring him into my house. I'll let him stay for the night. And then I'm going to contact some agencies tomorrow and we'll get this figured out. Mm -hmm. And every agency we went to couldn't help them because things weren't bad enough yet. And I kept trying to like paint a picture for them of like, yeah, things aren't bad enough yet, but if we don't do anything now, things are going to get bad. Because in my mind, I'm like, he doesn't have a car, doesn't have a way to get to work. I could have very easily seen him be like, okay, I can't get to work. And then he gets fired. Mm -hmm have support systems in place. And then it's like, I I could see this trajectory. And it was just so frustrating to me because why can't we do anything now? And as I felt that frustration, even fast forwarding a couple years, 
Shane Pearson from the Bay. I was sitting in the coffee shop at the Bay one day and he said, what if there was a way to help people fix the roof while the sun is still shining so that they could weather every storm Mm -hmm. or they can weather any storm that comes their way? And I was like, yes, that's what I've been trying to figure out. Like, how do you actually identify areas and individuals' lives that could potentially lead them into a poverty situation and stop that from happening? Mm -hmm. And then Shane, he basically presented to me, he's like, I've developed this assessment that helps predict um, uh, instability in individuals' Mm -hmm. lives. And then once you see this information, you could actually work with people to help them avoid that situation entirely. And, you know, that's just a big part of just our dream that me and Shane have been working on for the past two and a half years for it to become a reality. And we're finally here. We're finally in the thick of it. Uh, We officially launched um, in in terms of our services that we can provide Mm -hmm. to Lincoln February of this year, 2021. It's so exciting. I have such a passion for the proactive work. Um, When you and I got reacquainted recently, well, actually it was, it was last year, kind of when the pandemic hit, it was just really exciting to hear that there's somebody out there doing proactive work um, because the cycle of poverty doesn't end with the resources that we have. They're, they're great. Lincoln is just so full of amazing resources. Um, We're lucky to live here and have that all at our fingertips. Um, But there still is the piece of the puzzle that says we're just putting a bandaid on, on the issue. And so cycle of poverty, and I think being in social services and you can relate to this, you see that constantly. And if the cycle doesn't end with proactive work, it will just keep going. And so it's just very exciting that, that you guys are out there doing this work now and just to watch where this is going to go. I feel like it's going to be very fruitful um, for the, the clients that you serve. So so this is really awesome. I'm super excited to have you have you on Money Better today just to talk talk pandemic. I also love the agencies in Lincoln. I think they do a phenomenal work. Mm-hmm. And even for us with Good Life, we want to be collaborative. Like we want to collaborate with all the organizations that provide relief-based services to their clients and to individuals. Mm-hmm. They're doing a great work. And for me, it's it, it's in no way saying you're not doing a good enough job. Right. What it is is saying, oh, there's a gap. And we believe like we can fill this gap and we can be a very complimentary. For example, like an agency, if they get 50 applicants, but they only have room to accept 20 people into their programming, what do you do with the other 30? For Mm -hmm. us, it's really just for them an option to say, okay, these 30 people, things haven't gotten bad enough yet. So instead of just saying, we can't help you. What if they were able to just refer out to us? Yeah. And that to me is like the beauty of how this can actually work really well with what already exists in the city. These resources are here and they're designed to help in the immediate need. That's why they exist. So it is nice to just see somebody coming along and filling that, filling that gap. Um, So maybe we don't have to use these services. I've said this a lot and I actually saw it on your website. Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to use these resources anymore? Wouldn't it be nice to see some of these resources close because there wasn't a need for them? And I think being in Lincoln and we are like really a central hub for a lot of things the need is there, but wouldn't it be nice if that need was alleviated, you know, even if it's a generation from now, it's very exciting what you're doing. Oh, it is. And Lincoln's a small enough city that it's small enough and big enough that the things that we try to accomplish, we could, we could actually do it. Like, I really do believe Mm -hmm. that you can eliminate poverty in a city, the size of Lincoln. I think it's possible. 
you know, it's very nuanced and it'd be very difficult work, but mm-hmm. um, I, I do, like, I really think it's possible. And I think Lincoln can even be a great case study for larger cities if yeah. different services work. Um, so I think that's the exciting thing as well. Yeah, it is very exciting. So let's talk about what the pandemic did. So the, the big topic on hand is things that we learned from the pandemic. So you guys started this nonprofit right before the pandemic hit. I actually started this job right before the pandemic hit. We probably both had a plan of what we thought we were going to do. And then pandemic hits, everything closes and we go, okay, wait, um, what do we do now? And your website is really great because you have a lot of resources that were put together early last summer about how to um, get utility help or how to, how to even spend your um, stimulus check in various things, various needs in the community. So that was one way that you guys helped. So when you open your doors again in February, did you guys have conversations of like, this is what happened last year? And then how do we help? How do we bring that into our program? Yeah, the pandemic was so, it was such a weird season because, you know, it put people in such difficult circumstances. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people, you know, unemployment skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. One of the things that kind of surprised me actually was the amount of government you know, just the, the channels that opened up it, uh, services for people, you know, from unemployment being boosted to the, you know, eviction memorandums, um, rent and utility assistance has really gone through the roof to help mm-hmm. people stay in their homes and keep the lights on. Uh, even LES not turning off electricity for, you know, mm-hmm. non-payment. There was a lot of, you know, I think government and even private industry that really did their part to really help Mm -hmm. people who were in some pretty rough situations. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the conversation is now shifting to, you know, now that the get vaccines are getting distributed and the numbers seem to be going in a much positive Mm -hmm. direction and things are opening back up at fuller and fuller capacities, what's inevitably going to happen is a lot of those things are going to start going away. For me, you know, what I'm looking at right now is like, okay, there's a lot of people who are way behind on rent. Um, It's be proactive and right now reach out and try to get uh, some rent and utility assistance because it's out there. You go to the city of Lincoln's website right now, and there's a big giant block on their website that says, rent and utility assistance. And you click on that and you can apply for it. I mean, we're working with families who are getting big chunks paid off that they're just in these holes thinking I can never get out of it. But there is resources. There is a lot of like big utility bills and big rent bills that are being paid off so that people can stay in their places moving forward. And so Hmm. really that's what we're trying to communicate right now is, hey, you have been surviving well, there's going to come a day pretty soon that some of these, a lot of these resources are going to start to go away. Right. So be proactive and get that help now. And so there's rent assistance and utility assistance for old payments that haven't been paid. They're paying those things off. As long as you are at that house still. Okay. So, you know, for example, we're working with a family right now. They were three months behind on rent and that's going to get paid off. Plus some rent moving into the oh, future. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a, it's as long as you qualify for the income, 
in terms of right. what your family dynamics are. Um, it, you know, that's, that's one of those things that's very nuanced. It's different for each family. So what I just tell everyone is if you think maybe you want that, just apply, just yeah. see if you qualify for it because their income thresholds seem pretty broad. And mm -hmm. I think most people probably apply. For, that's a big one. Rent utilities. Okay. The other one is even Aloe right now. They got a grant where they can provide free internet oh, if wow. the pandemic affected you negatively. Um, so you could call Aloe, call their customer service. I think I even put their number down 402-480-6650. Mm -hmm. And you can see if you qualify for their emergency broadband program. Mm -hmm. And if you do, you can get free, <laughs> free Aloe moving forward if the pandemic affected you negatively and if you could kind of just oh show gosh. that, like if you lost your job, reduced yeah. income. Um, and again, their, their, their threshold is pretty broad for that too. And it, it's very nuanced whether you qualify or not. So that's a big one, you know, save yeah. yourself 50 bucks a month. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think the other thing is don't be afraid to call EBT mm -hmm. and see if you qualify for food benefits mm -hmm. and also utilize food banks. Food mm -hmm. banks, they want to give food away Mm -hmm. I, I have lots of friends who work full time and they still go to food banks because it helps subsidize their food budget Yeah, and, you know, be proactive and do those things and help subsidize that line item in your budget so that you can, you know, have it for other bills that you got to pay or debts that you got to pay off. That's exactly what I do as a financial coach. I look at the, the budget and say, Hey, there's, you know, your budget's tight. Can you supplement with food banks? or clothing options out in the community where you're not having to pay for it. And then that money could go elsewhere. And that's exactly what Lincoln's doing. Well, I think is yeah. helping people supplement in order to get back on track, which is great. Exactly. And, and I just I told someone the other day, I was working with um, somebody he's 19 and I said, we're going to get you some assistance, but we're also going to get you off the assistance. We're going to get you to a point where you don't need it anymore, um, but it's there now. And it's there for a reason. You qualify for that reason, take advantage of it. And then we'll get you off. We're going to get your budget in order. We're going to get your, your finances in order where you could go off. Exactly. So. Exactly. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, the thing that we identify with a lot of the people that we work with is we want to set people up for long lasting stability. Mm -hmm. And the two big pieces of that, it's really a job that pays a livable wage mm -hmm. and affordable housing. If you can get those two things in place, you're going to set someone up pretty well. It's like the bottom mm -hmm. of like the foundation pyramid, but it's yeah. also the two most difficult things to attain. And yes. um, if you can get all the other emergency things in place, you know, like, you know, rent assistance and, mm -hmm. you know, applying for Medicaid, getting food stuff in place, getting all the emergency relief based services in place, then, it just frees you up to work on the housing and job stuff to, yeah. to help you find longer term stability at the end of the day. So I wrote down some things that I think most people would agree the pandemic kind of served up on a silver platter for us all to deal with. Not everybody dealt with these things, but I want to read my list and see if you could add anything to this job loss, even for being furloughed. So there are a lot of people didn't lose their job, but they, they didn't work and they didn't make any money. Um, a lot of people shifted to working from home, including me. This is my home office that you're seeing right here. Um, but we shifted to working at home and there's a lot of people that did the same and they'll never go back to an office. And so that really changed the culture with the job losses, like loss of bonuses or incentives, because especially if you're in sales, it just wasn't happening. Lifestyle changes, um, 
we stopped going out for a long time. The socialization was limited. I think people deal with, they dealt with the loneliness, depression, mental health issues due to not even being able to go out, um, keeping up those lives that lifestyle that they once had, um, relationship losses that kind of comes with it, like friendships being separated, family being separated, maybe the loss of someone, um, due to COVID couldn't visit people. Then that creates loneliness and the mental health side of things, which I think is a whole nother topic is the mental health that came out of it. Those are just some that I feel like everybody can say, yeah, I agree. This is what the pandemic did. Is there anything on the top of your head that maybe community life is is seeing as you're starting to get clientele to work proactively that you're seeing like this was an issue and this is carrying over into 2021. I think the two things that initially pop into my head and one is anytime you are thrust into a poverty situation where you feel like it's, you have to live, you got to figure out how to live day to day, whether that's, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get food today, or I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. that's it's it really brings trauma like it's it's such a hard thing mentally to experience and I think just the trauma of this year people who were thrust into poverty situations not knowing where their income is going to come from you know either they're going to zero or you know they've been saving up for years and all of a sudden that saving account is going down 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 Um, you know, there's a trauma, a lot of trauma there that kind Mm -hmm. of that brings in. And I think that's a big part of why we want to provide proactive services Mm -hmm. is so that you don't have to go through the experience, the trauma experience of, you know, not knowing how you're going to make it through the day or the week. Um, That's a big one. The other thing it is, it's just the debt, the, Mm. you know, what we're seeing is it's the, you know, you don't have to pay your electric bill. So you kind of just let it accumulate. And now all of a sudden it's like you have a $2,000 gas bill yeah. and the weight of that just, you know, cause for most people, it's like you have a $2,000 gas bill. You're like, well, that's never getting paid. And then right. just realizing, yeah, if I don't get that paid, then it's going to get sent to collections. And then you got to go through that right. whole process and it sets you back. So I think those are the two big ones for me. I love that you mentioned trauma and Somebody said to me last year, you can't process trauma when you're going through it. I think for so many people who who dealt with just trauma of the examples that you gave, they couldn't process it. It was it was happening in front of them and they were just dealing with it. And it's survival. It's day-to-day survival. Um, and that was a mind shift for, for a lot of people, day-to-day survival rather than month-to-month or paycheck-to-paycheck. And now we're seeing the residual effects of trauma which I, I feel like plays into the proactiveness of what you're doing and the importance of being proactive is we had this trauma. We had these experiences that we didn't like. We didn't know what to do. Um, a lot of people came to the rescue for so many of us, but we didn't like it. And so how do we prevent this in the future, which is exactly yeah. what you're saying good life is doing is yeah looking at that and saying, how do we prevent this personal pandemic (laughs) from happening in the future? You had mentioned that Shane created an assessment to kind of gauge kind of this impending issue that might be happening with someone. And so proactively, you're going to work with that issue. So what are some of the things that are on that list that you guys are assessing to decide how do we get help for this person? Yeah. So we look at 10 areas of an individual's life and that's what our assessment assesses. So it's 10 different areas. And then where do they score 
between one and 10 in that area. And then the way we kind of do it is, you know, one through three is, is really like critical zone. Four mm-hmm. through seven is at risk. And then eight through 10 is stable. Um, okay. And so the different areas that we look at, it's like housing, job stability, financial independence, utilization of benefits. And then even we go as even in depth to, you know, what's their social capital, you know, are they connected Mm -hmm. to their community? Mm -hmm. What are their family dynamics? What's the health situation in the family, physical or mental health, Um, transportation? I don't have them all in front of me. So I'm blanking. No, that's that's great. So we have it conversational. So sometimes when someone goes through an assessment in social services, it's, they're just asked the question and they have to self-identify for us. It's just more conversational. And, but what we also do is, you know, because individuals are choosing to go through these services with us, they're not being mandated by a court or anything Mm -hmm. like that. They're just more likely to be proactive because they're the ones who want things to um, Mm -hmm. change. They're the ones who want see, like they're already self-identifying there's some areas in my life that I want to get better. And they even express a lot of those things. And so it's very conversational, but then we really, we just go through, okay, what is your gas bill at right now? What's your electric bill at? How much backdated are you in rent? What's your monthly income? Is it consistent hours? And so we ask just like questions that we can have quantifiable data that we can then place them on that scale. And then I think actually one of the biggest components, like one of the best parts of it that I didn't even think was going to happen until we were in the thick of it was think about like you have, you have like 20, 25 things that you have to take care of on the list. Mm -hmm. That can be overwhelming. It's like, where do I even start? What should I start with? Mm -hmm. So what then we do is like, we just break that down and we say, here's a roadmap to get there. This week, we're going to focus on this. Mm-hmm. Just take care of these three things this week. Like, we just can ignore all those other things. We're going to just take care of these three mm-hmm. things. Then the next week, we're going to take care of these two things. And then you're just slowly just checking boxes, checking boxes, mm-hmm. um, you know, hitting roadblocks and, you know, going mm-hmm. back. It's, it's just <laughs> kind of part of the process. A big part of it, too, is, you know, sometimes there's a difference between an individual calling the Lincoln Housing Authority and us advocating on Mm. someone's behalf. Mm -hmm. Um, But even just having a team of people that you know, that has your back that, that know how to navigate the social services systems, um, Mm -hmm. and be a lot more strategic and how we navigate, and also the relationships that our team has with other Mm -hmm. agencies in the community. um, It just allows things to happen a lot faster. And that's a big part of like our dream is that, you know, we could eventually form relationships with like private industries Mm -hmm. so that we can call them up and say, Hey, we have this guy we're working with good with his hands. Can you take him on in your concrete business, electrical, whatever, so that we can get someone a really good paying job in an industry that maybe, you know, they, they care about, you know, working with the community and making it better, knowing that we are, working on the life stuff with mm-hmm. that person. And if there's ever an issue on the job, they could even contact us that we can sort through. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a big dream of mine and of ours that we could kind yeah. of make things happen a lot quicker than someone can do on their own. Cause yeah. it is hard. It's so difficult. It is. It is. One of the things that I have found when working with clients um, is 
a lot of people just don't know how to do certain things. And that's why it's so overwhelming. So that list of 25, sure, the average Joe could accomplish those things. But a lot of people just simply don't know how. They don't know how to make the phone call, especially young people. Yeah. I have a couple clients that I'm working with that have collections issues. And the one of the reasons they have collection issues and they have lingered as long as they have is they don't know how to call. They don't know what to yeah. say. And it's no fault of their own. They just don't know. And But when I come in and I say, we're going to get on speakerphone and I'm, you're going to give them permission to talk to me. And I'm going to walk you through this. So the next collections call, you get to do it. The, the relief that runs through them is just overwhelmed, but it's like empowering yeah. someone to say like, it's not a problem. Like we'll get yeah. through this. I'm going to teach you how to do it. And I think that that's something that's been lacking is the education behind how do you take care of this stuff? Who do you call? Yeah. It's, it's hard to find certain things if you don't know where to look, but then how do you make the phone call is another thing. So yeah. I, I'm so excited for what you guys are doing. When you, when you told me about this a while ago, this is literally what I have like been dreaming of for years coming out of social services, just like proactive education <laughs> yeah. for people. And I just get, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of nonprofits now, but I don't think I've been this excited for, for a team in a really long time. Cause it's such a passion of mine. Even what you're saying, like to call someone and be like, Hey, I've got this guy. And will you take him on as an employee? Like that connection piece and network. So, Oh, I just hope you guys, I just hope it catches on because I think it's just going to, it can really just change things. So it's just very exciting. So, yeah. And I think even going back to what you said earlier about calling with someone, mm -hmm. it is very empowering. Also, yeah. it's just the power of human connection. Mm -hmm. Like we all want to go through life with people, like yes. to know that someone has our back, someone's mm -hmm. on our side like they're going to go with us. It's always yeah. easier to take a risk and it's always easier to be courageous if you're doing it with someone, right? It's like cliff jumping. If you've ever gone cliff jumping into a lake, it's so scary. But when like two of your friends go ahead of you, you're like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. Yeah. I love it. I, I just love it. And I love seeing the relief on people's faces as I'm helping them with these hard things, because it's, a, you know, I make one phone call with them and they're going to be able to do this for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And that's literally what you guys are doing too. You're teaching people how to access certain resources and even assess their own situation to go, okay, I need to, I need to focus on this rather than this, which is. Yeah. And even for us, like when someone completes our program, you know, our goal is that they will know how to navigate crisis on their own because you're never going to avoid crisis. Crisis is always going to come, mm -hmm. but you know, they'll have a toolkit. We'll build their toolkit so that you know, if crisis hits, they know who to call, they know where to go um, to be able to navigate yeah. that experience. So next question for you, what does Lincoln look like moving forward now that we've, we, we can look in the rearview mirror and see what happened last year and see the resources that have become available. What does this look like for Lincoln? It's so funny because even for the name of our nonprofit, Good Life Community Development, I love and I hate our name because the name sounds so generic because it's like everything's called good life something fill in the blank <laughs> like there's a million of those when you drive through the city. But the thing I love about it and the reason why we decided to choose it even in the midst of that is, you know, Lincoln in the state of Nebraska is the good life and really like our vision is so simple. Like we want everyone to be able to experience the good life mm -hmm. that the state of Nebraska promised them. And I believe everyone can have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. I even think about, you know, for your listeners who are out there who are maybe thinking, okay, that's all 
well and good, but I'm not involved in social services. Mm-hmm. I can't really resonate too much with like, what am I supposed to do about it? And I just feel like that's the thing that's always made Lincoln great to me. You know, I, mm-hmm. I lived in Lincoln for five years and then we moved to Florida and I just always felt this pull to come back mm. because I love Lincoln. Like I love the people in Lincoln. I love yeah. the city. And I was, I, so often I look out my window in my backyard. I'm like, I'm so happy I'm back. And it's because <laughs> Lincolnites are such good people. Yeah. And I think everyone that I've really encountered, like they're always asking, well, like, how can I help? How mm. can I get involved? Mm-hmm. And I actually think it's pretty simple. It's, it's choose an organization that you like and just be generous to them. Mm. Or whether that's even if you financially have the means, I think yeah. everyone should be generous with their money. I feel like even for me, it's one of those weird things about life is you reap what you sow. And the more generous you are, the more generous people are towards you. It's yeah. weird things about the way the world works. <laughs> but also it's, there's a lot of great organizations in this city who have a bigger vision than their budget and Mm -hmm. give money, give your time, just wherever that is, whatever that looks like. Um, Because like we were talking about earlier, a lot of people, they just want to know someone has their back that someone could just, you know, walk by them and walk with them. Yeah. Um, And that's the future I see for Lincoln that I'm really excited about. Yeah. I always encourage people, even if you can't give monetarily, Um, give your time because if you give two hours of work somewhere, that's two hours less they have to pay someone. So you really are giving, you know, money, but you, you're not digging in your pocket. So we're going to do another podcast later about giving and how do you choose where to give? And a lot of it is based off your passion, find a cause that you love and find a place that is a part of that and just give where you can call them up and say, what can I do? Um, and I think that that's how we keep our world turning is just people giving money or their time or their presence. And it just, there's a ripple effect that comes out of that in the long run. And Lincoln is so good at that. So oh, yeah. good at recognizing a need and then making it happen. Well, one last question before we do something fun. Um, how do people get a hold of Good Life? So the best way to get a hold of us right now is our website, goodlifecommunitydevelopment.com. Okay. Um, it's a lot of typing. Every time I have to type my email, I'm like, oh, we need to have a shorter URL. Um, but yeah, go there, check us out. There's a little bit more information about mm-hmm. us on there. Um, if you really wanted to get a hold of us, you could just email info at goodlifecommunitydevelopment.com. Okay. And uh, we'll see that email and any questions you have. Or even if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, man, I really need some of that proactive help mm-hmm. and services. Uh, just reach out to us that way. That's the best way. And that info will be in the show notes for anybody listening. Okay. I have one last question. I promise. Yep. If you could give um, some advice to anyone listening that might be saying, Hey, um, the pandemic is really hard on me. I don't want to do that again. What advice would that be? That's a really good question. I think there's things we can put in place in our life Um Sometimes though, just random chaos happens in life as well. I I think for me and what I've really seen is you, it's just really being proactive as possible with your job and your budget and your savings um, Mm -hmm. so that you're really prepared for an emergency. Um, Mm -hmm. Now for some people, that's a lot easier than others. You know, some, 
you know, some people have a thousand dollars left over a month that they could save. And some people have, you know, next to nothing. And right. I think that's where the conversation is just a little tricky. Well, with what you're saying, um, the average American, there's about 60 to 70% of Americans that cannot afford a $400 emergency today. And I imagine there's a lot more at this point because of what the pandemic has done just to finances. Um, so being proactive about emergency funds, which I always like to tell people, what's the deductible on your car insurance? Save that just in case there's an accident or you need new tires or you, you have that money available for you. And then long-term three to six months of your expenses, not how much you make, but your expenses. And if we can chip away at that, then it gives us some buffer room that if anything were to happen, we have some time to either find a new job or seek out the resources like community resources that we have here in Lincoln. Um, but the emergency fund is is really key. And I think right now as things are settling and we're getting back to quote normal post pandemic normal, if people can focus in on like seeing where things were, were really painful last year and then being proactive to, to either save or, or look at community resources as like, this is, this is the steps I'll take if something were to happen again. Yeah. I think it's really important. And even to come back full circle, the story I told at the beginning about the acquaintance I had who yeah got kicked out of his dad's house. One of the things that he did really well was he was really good at savings. Didn't make a lot of money, but he just chipped away. Like every time he got paid, he put like $25, $50 in a savings account. And he did that for years. And mm -hmm. so actually one of the things that when we started helping him out was he had $1,500 in savings. And so it was, it was so great being able to work with him because mm -hmm. step one was, um, okay, now like, we're going to help you buy a car. He had his yeah. driver's license and we can get a cheap car for you. And you actually, like when we did a budget, you can afford car insurance. Mm. Well, let's do it. That was step one. And then he kept saving, kept chipping away. And within a few months, he even had enough for a security deposit for a small apartment. Nice. You know, and this is a single guy on an income, you know, working, you know, yeah. at Walmart. And I, I'm even happy to say like, he's, he's been so good at that, that he's lived independently in that, uh, in that apartment for the last four or five years now. That's and, awesome. And I think it's just that it's, I think people underestimate um, saving $50 a month, what that can do in the long run. Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially if you do that right off the bat, sometimes you don't even miss that money or right. you just like have your paycheck, like automatically put a hundred dollars in a savings mm -hmm. account and the rest go in your checking and you just ignore it. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I think that's the best way to operate. And then, like yeah. I said, people underestimate just how much it can grow so quickly. Yeah. And you know, $50 to a lot of people is a lot of money, but if it's $10 yeah. to start and maybe you add to that in a couple of months, I mean, a little goes a long way, especially if you just need an oil change and you've got $50 in savings, you can cover it. Just little things like that. If, especially if you can't find a community resource to help kind of supplement. Um, so you're right. Every little bit counts. My little mantra in coaching is save what you can, when you can, <laughs> that's it. Absolutely. You can only do what you can do. So chip away at it. So that's, that's really good. Well, let's shift to getting to know Bill Radke a little bit better. I've got some rapid fire questions I want to ask you, and I've got my little, little timer here. It's about three minutes. So I'm going to try to accomplish this all in three minutes. So 
answer as you can. Oh, um, wow, if we need okay. to skip it, please let me know. I don't know if this is going to show up in my camera, but we're going to give it, we're going to give it a shot. So you are the first person that I'm doing rapid fire questions with. So this is a learning experience for you. So you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So who is Bill Radke? Ready? So what is a money moment you are proud of? NeighborWorks Lincoln. I had very little money in savings and I heard about this program. You could buy a house through NeighborWorks mm -hmm. and it was the best decision I ever made. Bought a house through NeighborWorks nice. and uh, it really started helping my wife and I um, get a house and it was amazing. Wonderful. Go they are an amazing program. We've had them on the podcast. So that's I great. What is the dumbest thing you have ever bought? My college degree. <laughs> I uh, uh, majored and I have a degree in math education and I've never used it. Oh my but gosh. I will say this, it taught me how to fail. So math is you have to fail to succeed, succeed and it mm -hmm. taught me that. College is important. I'm not talking on college. It's just, I chose the wrong major and I understand that now a little bit that's, too late, but I'm happy awesome. I have a degree. That was a good answer. All right. Best piece of advice you've gotten about money right now for me, it's compound interest mm. for the first time in my life. This is the first time it's recently uh, debt-free. The only debt we have is our mortgage. And it's amazing that we actually get to put what we used to spend like over a thousand dollars a month in debt with car payments mm -hmm. and student loans and credit card. Mm -hmm. And we paid it off. And now we get to actually invest that money in the future. I'm almost 40 and I have to actually start getting a lot better about that. So I have retirement. <laughs> so I, but it's amazing. Yeah. I just learned about what a Roth IRA is. Why didn't anyone tell me about a Roth IRA that you can put money in, you know, the Roth IRA in the stock market in a index fund and it grows interest-free Yes, and you don't have to pay taxes on, or not interest-free, tax-free. You don't have to pay taxes. Amazing. That's so funny. You know why no one ever never told you is because UBT didn't have a financial literacy program yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you if I gave you a million dollars to spend in 24 hours, what would you spend it on? We Bitcoin. Ran out of time, but we're gonna keep going. Bitcoin. Really? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. I would put some in it though. I do believe in blockchain technology. I like it, but I'm talking to someone who works for a bank. So I I do I do like it. It's something that I'm investing a part of my portfolio into. Mm. Um, I'm excited about it, but it's risky. It could go to zero. Yeah. Who knows? But that's why it's only a small percentage of it right now. But um, no, I was thinking, of, I, I think if I'm totally honest with myself, um, I would give away probably like 200,000 of that. I'd give it to Good Life Community Development. I really would because we really need to get going on this thing. I would spend $300,000 on myself, motorcycles, dirt bikes, a truck, a trailer, vacations. Mm -hmm. I pay off my house. I would just, I, I love doing all the fun redneck stuff. And then the other 500,000, I would definitely invest for the future because yeah. it's just what I'm really interested in like future retirement investing stuff, because what they say is, you know, if you have a million dollars in your retirement account and you take out 4% a year, which mm -hmm. is $40,000 a year, it's going to stay at about a million dollars because, mm -hmm. you know, an index fund will average around seven to right. eight, 10% a year. And I'm like, I just need to get there. So I'm really like saving money like crazy and driving my wife crazy. Cause I'm putting so much money in. Yes. The rule of four. That's what they call it. 
So yeah. It's amazing. Like all this stuff, no one ever told me about this stuff, but I attended <laughs> YouTube Academy and I'm teaching myself and I'm That's really excited so about it. What is your favorite smell? My favorite smell. <laughs> um, the first thing that popped in my head is my son's bedroom. Okay. Um, I know that's a little bit weird. It's like, wait, he's not a teenager yet. So it doesn't smell like B.O. I was just going to ask you how old he is now. It's been a while. He's eight. Oh my gosh. And um, no, I th- it's just always a reminder of my story, which is my mm-hmm. wife and I couldn't have biological children. And we adopted our son from this mm-hmm. amazing woman in Southern California, mm-hmm. who we still have a relationship with to this day. Man, he knows his birth mom. Mm-hmm. We talk to her often and um, it's just such a reminder of just like what I've been given mm-hmm. in life and uh, the privilege of being able to, you know, be his dad. So mm-hmm. my other answer to that would be Indian food and Indian restaurant. Okay. I love Indian food so much. I could eat it every day of the week. So lastly, what is a weird fact about you? Uh, I have a weird phobia with people touching my belly button. We're going to get really weird and personal. How, how many people are trying to touch your belly button? I don't know. I just have a weird phobia. I don't know why I don't let people near my stomach, but my other non weird (laughs) thing is um, I hate mint chocolate chip ice cream with a passion. I hate it. You might as well put toothpaste on ice cream. If you eat mint chocolate chip ice cream, you're a monster. I mint anything. There is, there is the fluoride tasting mint. And then there's the sweet, this should be a candy mint. And it's, it's hard to find the good one. Yeah, it's the worst. But I love fresh mint, like a sure. mojito cocktail. I'm I'm game with. But uh, fake fluoride know. mint ice cream is not your jam. Spearmint gum. If you mm. chew spearmint gum, you're also I your monster. A hundred percent with that. That is so funny. Okay, it's your turn. Ask me some random question that you think listeners would want to know about me. I'm personally curious, so maybe a listener is curious. Like, why did you decide to move away from social services? Mm. And why did you choose uh, financial institutions? Yeah, this is a, it's kind of, it's a long story and I won't get into it, but I'll say that the burnout of social services is real and the emotional toll that it takes on someone. I have a master's degree in human behavior. Social services is where I wanted to be. But um, just a series of events kind of led me in another direction. And there was a connection. There was a networking piece that got me to UBT. And I taught a lot in social services. Like I was a trainer. And so they actually originally hired me as a trainer in retirement services. So they took a chance on me based off of just like one interview and a networking piece and then um, I moved into financial literacy, just the, the connection of financial literacy and the goal that UBT had to work with social services, to work with nonprofits was such a connecting piece for me because I ended up working and still do with a lot of nonprofits I did when I worked in social services. So there's already this really cool connection piece. And then the teaching, um, when I was hired, my, um, my, the boss that hired me, Jason, who's no longer my boss, but a good friend of mine, he said, we could teach you anything you want to know about numbers. We can't teach you how to teach and we can't teach you how to relationship build, but you already know how to do that. So we want to hire you. That was kind of his, his offer line. And so that's how I ended up here. It's so random, but the passion behind it is real. I love what I do. I love that UBT has given me the opportunity, but also the community, the opportunity to have these resources 
within the bank that really have nothing to do with banking. It's just teaching people about money and um, meeting people where they're at too, which I think is really important. I just, I love that they've given you this freedom to explore things Mm -hmm. like doing a podcast and doing one-on-one financial literacy coaching with people. Mm -hmm. And I even, (laughs) even when we initially had a conversation and I went to UBT's website and it's like free one-on-one financial literacy stuff, I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is what people need. Mm -hmm. People just need someone, an expert in the industry to look at things Mm -hmm. in their life and to help them form a game plan. And even for us, it's a dream come true because, you know, we're, we're, uh, you know, social workers, Mm -hmm. which, you know, we're not financial experts. Like we know enough about finances to do our own stuff and to have a business and a nonprofit and all that stuff. But I think for us, it's so nice to be able to say, hey, we're going to refer you to an expert Mm -hmm. in the industry who also understands social work enough to understand the dynamics of it's it's not always going to be an easy process. Yeah. Sometimes there, it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster and you know how to navigate that. And so mm-hmm. I'm just thankful that UBT is able to offer this yeah. service to Lincoln. And I'm really excited about further collaborating with UBT and with yourself, yeah. Caitlin. And well, uh, thank you. I, it's so appreciated. And I'm, I'm as thankful as you are for UBT allowing this position in the community because there is a need. And I just feel very lucky every day that I get to use my passion for social services and people. Um, but also just on the side that I do it on, which is the bank side. And it's been such a, um, it's been quite a shift from social services into banking, but such a good shift. Like it was like the, just the transition was just like so good. And it, um, it uses my strengths every day. And I just love that. So I'm, I'm, I get super excited that I get to work with people like you. It's been fun so far to work with you guys. Well, thank you so very much, Bill. This has been so much fun. Um, just getting to know you and our listeners getting to know you a little bit better and what good life community development does, but yeah, thank you so much for being on money better today. Thanks Caitlin. Appreciate it. Union Bank and Trust financial literacy materials, articles, guides, blogs, podcasts, and videos are for informational purposes only and not an advertisement for product or service. The accuracy and completeness is not guaranteed and does not constitute legal or tax advice. Please consult with your own tax, legal, and financial advisors. Member FDIC.